Welcome to episode 722 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 722 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom, Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? Pretty good, Bevan. You? You got your casual gear on today? Casual gear? Yep, no biking today. It was uh, a slightly earlier start and there's frost out there. Don't want to fall off my bike. Tell you what, Joe, and I went for a run on Sunday. Beautiful day. Did you train Sunday? We did, yeah. Beautiful day for training. Um, but I tell you what, you wouldn't want to be on the hills. It was pretty, pretty frosty on those roads and even running up and down, it was pretty slippery. And I was thinking, if you're on a bike, pretty scary times. It was indeed. Yeah. Did, did you go for a bike ride? Oh, Thomas and I did long bays on Sunday uh, mm-hmm. in the afternoon. Though, I said we're not going until the afternoon, and even then, it was how to go in long bays? He was pretty solid. Nice. When, how far is it? How, how many? Ks. Make a prediction now. How long is it before he's better than you? Quite a while. No, no, you're gonna make a prediction. How many years? Uh, Fifteen. Fifteen years. Yeah. Wow, you have no <laughs> faith in your son. There <laughs> we go. Uh, I is proudly brought to you by. Our fantastic patrons. And let's name a few, Jombo. Paula Wave Crasher Ryan. Now, how do you say his last name? Penny the Money. Sakids. Uh, Sakids. Sakids. We'll Penny the Money Sakids. And Michael the Minor Ridega. Ridega. Love your work, Michael, and Penny, and Paul, and all the other patrons of the show. Thank you for being patrons. Uh, John, this week we've got some news. We've got a hot topic of the week. We've got an interview. We're talking to Justin Metzler. He is more of a 70.3 athlete than Ironman athlete does Ironman, but uh, he is up and comer, so you might not have heard of him, so we thought we'd have a chat. Have a chat with Justin. And then we've got a quick high five, a website of the week, winger of the week, and we've actually got quite a few questions and answers at the end, but we'll get to those later on. John, not a huge amount of news, but we did have the age group racing for the Ironman Virtual Reality Challenge this weekend. Uh, and this is a qualifying race, wasn't it? That is. This is one of the qualifying races. This is a four-race series, and uh, you get points for those. Um, double points if you do the half Ironman. This one was an Olympic, and why it's a bit more significant is the first time there's actually some rules and regulations around it. Now, I will say that these results that we're going to sort of mention, um, they're don't think they've been validated yet so there may still be the odd little one in there that's uh, either inadvertently incorrect or somebody's cheated uh, so they haven't sort of gone through and checked them all but so they're the raw results it was over the Olympic distance and um, we're going to talk a bit more about it in the in sort of the discussion of the week. Bevan, chuck a couple of age groups I thought we'd just give a bit of, bit of age group love um, so maybe pick, a, pick an age group. Okay I'm going to go female, female 35 to 39. Female 35 to 39. And they have done well here with these results. I'll I'll give Ironman a bit of love here. Yep. Uh, So, what place do you want to go? Give us a place one through five. What do you mean? Just give us a place. Do you want to, or should I just do the winner? Just do the winner. Do the winner. Yeah. Great. (laughs) Yeah, I saw that. (laughs) Do the first name, okay? Ursula. Ursula. I'll do the first name. Ursula, what's the second name? Ursula. Kinvik from the US. Here we go. She went one hour 55, 25. Is he listening? Nezevic. Uh, one hour 55 25 so it was a 3k run uh, it was a 40 kilometer bike and a 10 kilometer run uh, I think you could do them in any order you liked uh, she went ran a 43 41 uh, she biked 59 38 and her uh, shorter run was a 12 06 taking it out well, pretty close racing though 
while I've done, well, you've done that one, John. I've looked at the means, uh, fifty-five to fifty-nine, and a guy by the name of uh, Jeff uh, Buchan took it out, and he did a one fifty-one oh five, ran six point two miles in forty-one forty-one, cycled fifty-seven fifty-four, and then ran eleven thirty. I'm going to do our age group, male 40 to 44, and then Bevan, you do one other one. Mark Molony from Ireland, he took it out in 1 hour 43.55 um, for a 20-second victory, and he ran, did his run, his long run first by the look of it, we actually did that on the Saturday, so he ran 36.54, then he biked 56.46, and then ran a 10.15, so a bit of a beast on the bike, uh, so yeah, that was one, uh, so yeah, different strategies, some people doing their short run first, some people doing it all on the same day, some people obviously doing it, say, Sunday. Oh, can you, can, you, can you break it up? You've got to do it over a 12, you've got a 12 hour window. Oh, so you can do one leg and then pause? Yep, totally. Oh, uh, so that's strange. Well, I will discuss it's not really triathlon, this. is it? We will discuss this okay. later. I've got okay. some ideas on this. Uh, so you could spread it like Saturday night and then do the rest well, on Sunday morning. You'd be foolish not to, wouldn't you? I've got. I'm going to discuss our strategy okay, okay, when we get okay. to the discussion. I contain myself is what he's saying here. Yeah. Okay, my last category is the age 50-54 females. Uh, Tanya Hutton took it out uh, in a run of 42-29, a bike of 103-22, and then a run of 12-19 to take out a category and 29th overall. Uh, John? So I will say there was 2,043 finishes. Um, and but I think what's cool about this is the kind of racing that most long course athletes aren't going to do. Mm, I think it's great, but we'll go into that when we do our discussion <laughs> of the week. Cause I wanna We're burying the lead, team. We're burying the lead. 2,043 finishes. Now, one thing I will say before we... Did you, did you have to pay? No, okay. no. Um, in the past, a couple of times, I looked at the Ruby race, and there was only maybe a couple of hundred people yeah. in it. Um and the thing with this is you can do the ride on this particular course on Ruby Anytime. whenever you want. Yeah. And so it doesn't necessarily, like in the Zwift numbers, we might see a lot more because you have to be dedicated to doing a race at a particular time, whereas with the, the Ruby um, side but, of things, you can do it whenever. Uh, with the Zwift, a big race would have how many people? Um, it's in the hundreds, not in the thousands. Although when they do their sort of tours, it's a bit different. Yeah, but, but they have a lot of races, don't they? Oh, yeah, heaps and heaps and heaps. Yeah. So, John... Is, is 2000 a success? I think it's a... Well, the, the, this is in the um, competitive side of it. So then you have to be on Ruby. You have to have a smart trainer. Uh, and yeah, you have true. to do your, your, your running outside. Uh, I haven't actually looked how many did the sort of just completion one as well. Um, so there's, you could just do it as a completion. Because mm. like when we think of how many people do Ironman in a year, how many races are there? About 40, 50? Oh, Ironman, yeah, there's about 40, I think. Yeah. Um, half Ironman, there's hundreds. So you're saying there's probably... Well, this is basically a race, isn't it? 2,000 yeah. people. But, but... Wow, most wow, like so. Let's say there's 150,000 Ironman competitors in the world. Yeah. So it's you know it's only about a two percent, one point one point five percent participation mm. rate. Mm. But as you say, there are a lot more limits to kind of entry. But interesting. Um, it, I, I like it. I think it's great. I'm just kind of curious to see what they measure as success. Okay, John. Uh, so we'll go back to that later on because John doesn't want to do it right now. Yeah. We'll so what we want to talk about? Well, is hold on. Before we do move on, I just sort of had, thought I'd have a click on the the non-competitive one or the completion okay. one, and they had uh, seven thousand two hundred ninety-seven finishes. Oh, okay, well that's good. So then. that means you've done the Olympic distance, you've done a ten k run, you've done a forty k bike, and you've done the three k run. So basically, about twelve thousand people did the whole thing. Uh, your maths needs some work. It's, did you say ten thousand? I said uh, so. It's about nine nine to ten thousand. I thought you said ten thousand did the non-competitive one. 
7,297. Oh, okay. Well, I heard you wrong. Yeah. So about 10,000, 9,000 overall. Yeah. Okay, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> we're good at our maths today. Seven plus two equals what? <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're going to look back on last year's Cairns because we've got no racing happening, although there may be some good news soon. But Ironman Cairns has happened this time last year. Uh, was this when Braden, was this, this last year Braden smashed it? He absolutely killed it. Yeah. And he was under, I wouldn't say he was under pressure, but he had not qualified had qualify, for Kona. Yeah, that's right. Because he'd bombed out. New Zealand? In New Zealand. And I don't I, maybe that was the time he didn't have a good Kona. He DNF'd or something. So he, he, he didn't, he had not qualified for Kona. It was kind of last dance <laughs> saloon, but he dom, do, almost dojo domination. Oh, completely crushed it. It's across the board. Swam 47 29, uh, which had him, by the look of it, possibly first out of the swim. Uh, he biked a 428 and just decimated the field and then ran a 244. So he had the, by the look of it, the fastest swim, the fastest bike. And the fastest run. <laughs> so that is a pretty a bit domination. Nearly the 20 minute mark. He went 8.04.19. Second place, Tim Van Berkel, was uh, 8.23.48. And then another nine minutes back to David Dallow in third place. Um, on the female side. Okay, we took it out again. Impressive. This was a quality field. You've got Theresa Adam took it out. Uh, again, fastest swim, 50-11, 4.51 on the bike and 3.02 on the run. For, for a fifth overall as well. Yeah, 8.48.33. And she bit out Sarah Crowley. We know how good she is. She's yep. been on the podium in just about every flippant Ironman race around the world. And Kaiser Sali, who's also been uh, incredibly competitive at Kona and elsewhere. But they had a very close race for second place. It was only 24 seconds wow. in it. And Kaiser Sali, by the look, it was Kaiser closing. Kaiser was catching, but she just mm. ran out of space. Mm. So uh, good racing in Ken's last year. So It was nice because it was a bit of a pressure race as well, wasn't it? Mm. And uh, Ken's has been... I think, again, just off the top of my head, I'm pretty sure Ken's has been scheduled for later this year, and by the look of it, um, may potentially happen, but well, Australia is opening up uh, their races now. Don't so bury the lead, we've got to get there soon. Okay, sorry, yeah. won't yeah. jump the gun. Well, you're waiting for the other thing, is you know. <laughs> yeah. Jordan Bryan's got something on Facebook, John, I don't know what this is about, but I see Dave Dawn's in the photo. So, that last weekend, the... Actually, we Dave Dawn, if you're listening... You rang me and I haven't checked my answer phone messages. Mm. So ring me back. Great <laughs> <laughs> way to connect with people. Oh, I, I'm hopeless with my phone. Yeah. You know, if someone rings me or texts me, I go, oh, you'll do that later. And then like three days later, I go, oh, shit, I forgot all about it. Yeah. So, um, um, yeah, so Dave, give me a call. So at the weekend, and we had this on the show a few weeks ago, uh, Jordan Bryden had set up the Relentless Endurance Solidarity Confinement 24 or 12-hour challenge, Eliminator Challenge. And so the idea was you could either do a 12-hour challenge, a 24-hour challenge, or you could just carry on uh, until the last man standing. And you had to do a lap of a, the Tempest Fugit um, course on Zwift. Uh, and essentially you had to be riding for 40 minutes every hour and complete that lap. So if you're a bit slower, well, you've got to take you longer than 40 minutes. Yep. If you smashed it, it might take you 35 to 40 minutes minutes uh, and then you just had to keep going for 12 hours I know Laura Siddle was doing it um, and then they had a bunch of other people doing it you could do 12 hours and then you stop or you do 24 hours and you can stop and then they had the last man standing and the last man standing was Chris Camaleno he kept going for 36 hours. hours so he rode 526 miles 850 kilometers and he was the last man standing when uh, others had Fallen by the wayside. So I haven't got any other results. I just saw that there, but that's uh, pretty solid. Nice work.
Okay, so but there were some slight changes. So they've got here, um, after 36 hours of riding and 526 miles or 850 kilometers. <laughs> OMG. Uh, I was the last cyclist standing and won the Relentless Endurance Solitary Confinement 24-hour, 12-hour ride eliminator challenge. The first 24 hours was a warm-up <laughs> consisting yeah. of 300 miles. At the 25th hour, the eliminator round started. So you had to get through to 24 hours to actually start and be eliminated, which had two rules, no getting off the bike. It makes so, it harder. Yeah, so once you get to that stage, you can't do the kind of get off, have a rest and come back. Um, maintaining a minimum wattage and power. So you also had to keep, make sure you're actually maintaining a certain level of intensity. Mm. And from there, it was just the last rider standing and he just yeah, he, he managed to do it. So um, it's pretty good effort. It's a long time to be on your bike. Because when you're doing that kind of 40 minutes on, 20 minutes off, like don't get me wrong, twenty four hours is bloody, bloody challenging. But you get that kind of mental and physical mm-hmm. release. Mm-hmm. Then you, you start at twenty four hours, and it goes for another what, twelve hours. And the the course that they were using is Pancake Flats. So some courses you can oh, have a bit yeah. of a spin down the hill and just freewheel that, that course. Um, it's, it's clever design, isn't it? Yeah, it's completely <laughs> no <flat>. relief. <laughs> okay, the championship is not looking that positive as an overall, as at least for age groupers. So they are saying that they may be looking into doing a pro only race. Uh, this week it's been announced that there will be an, won't be an age group race at the championship this year. However, the Challenge Family and X Bionic Sphere. Uh, still considering the possibility of organising a pro-only race. As this won't be a mass participation event, this might be an option to offer at least something to the professionals of our sport who are also struggling without races, but it is dependent on the technical and safety regulations in the venue around the time. We will explore the options with upcoming weeks and decide the latest at the latest of July the 1st. This is great that they're actually going... Kind of right, I mean... How can we support that? Sorry? Well, because... They're gonna lose money on it. Oh, I'm gonna lose huge money, but then uh, so again, how do how do we as an how, how do we as a community support it? We watch it, okay, and and share it, and and hopefully give their sponsors something to go. Okay, well, people at least people watched it, so I just think it's a great gesture of goodwill on the challenge family and the championship going exactly like you said they're going to lose money yeah. there's no way about it no two ways about it you've got no I mean of course they'll still have their sponsors <clears throat> but there's going to be a, a, lo- a loss making venture uh, so it's great that they're actually thinking about the pros and, and making sure that hopefully they can have a race and who knows things are starting to look a little bit more optimistic that there might be some racing at least if you just said right we're going to have 50 or 100 people racing maybe this can happen so good work on challenge and the championship yeah really cool and be good to have a race to watch wouldn't it Great. Talk about last year's races. Yeah. Uh, we also had Super League have announced that they are having a virtual series on Zwift. It's got some pretty rock star athletes here. Jonathan the Brownlee brothers, Vincent Louie, uh, Christian Bloomingfield, Sophie Caldwell. Um, so it's just got some some great athletes. Now, when is this happening, John? Thursday uh, the 11th of June. Starts 11th June. What's different? The reason I brought this up, because there's lots of Zwift racing on at the moment. There's uh, there's still the, the, the tri, Pro Tri Series. But what's different about this one is there's actually some money on the line. Now, they haven't s- said how much money money there is on the line um, but that's what's going to make it interesting because up until now Zwift racing and, and other Good racing have been day. fun yeah. but for the pros it's just oh yeah we'll just get amongst it and if you do well great you might get your name out there but there's nothing actually on the line and I don't know if this happens in any of the other Zwift racing you hear about these Zwift pro races and so on but I've, and, and there may well be money I just have never investigated it but they're here they're actually saying yep we're going to have some money on the line how much don't know um, but you're going to have the, the the cool thing with this is it's just going to be the triathletes and going head to head. So I'm uh, looking forward to this. 
Yeah, yeah, it's cool. And, and, and they've got the great people. And again, events like this, like Super League, they may well be the ones that we see coming back a bit sooner because, again, it's just pros. Yeah. Once they can travel, that's going to be the challenge. Once people can travel, then um, why couldn't you? And again, they're going to have well, a good captive also audience. Also travel, but also like lockdown. Like what do you, when you're coming to New Zealand right now, so New Zealand, we've just gone to level one today. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's really cool. So basically in New Zealand right now, we are back to normal. Like life is normal except for our borders are locked down. Mm-hmm. So you can't really get to New Zealand right now. And if you do, you've got to do two, two weeks of... Um, what's the word? Solitary confinement. Solitary confinement. <laughs> not quite. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, isolation. isolation. No, no, that's not the right word either. I can't remember. Lockdown or whatever it is. Yeah, everyone's kind of just yelling at us right now. But um, you have to do that for two weeks. So for racing athletes, until do do they do that? Do they go? Okay, there'll be five races in a month apart. You got to move from one race and live two weeks somewhere before you can actually isolation. Well, yeah, but we're we're, we're a bit of a become a bit of an outlier in that in terms yeah, of yeah. But I wonder else. if other countries mm. until there's a vaccine. Once you're in Europe, though then you can probably travel pretty freely. Yeah, so true. they choose their locations, could be okay. Okay, John. So just so I kind of buried the lead there, we have gone to level one in New Zealand, which it's pretty exciting time for us Kiwis. And it looks like Australia's got the same option around racing. But basically, racing is back in New Zealand. But it's the middle of winter and we look out the window at the moment, there's snow on the mountains, there's a frost on the ground. Uh, so it is it is great for us. Um, yeah, but, but you know what? It's events. great for organisers. If anything, the timing is great because if you're an organiser, you're, you're probably not putting on a race two weeks from now. Mm. You know, you can get that time to get those spring races getting ready, you know, September, maybe late August. We can get you know, like a Hawke's Bay Marathon's early September. Yeah. So it's just good that we can get, we're going to see racing again. I know. No, it's going to be great. So Aussie's sort of... Uh, uh, doing it on a case-by-case basis at the moment, according to Triathlon Australia. But over here, you want to put on an event at uh, 12.01 this morning, you could have done it. We, we should have. Mm. Yep, the first event in the year. Mm. One, like on the news last night, they were talking about, because live sport can have crowds. I know. And uh, Dunedin, which is uh, probably the fourth biggest city in New Zealand, uh, Dunedin was did this, have done this first in the world kind of hashtag because of the first sporting code in the world because some sports are playing now but the first could have crowds back which is pretty bloody cool okay john um what am i saying here this week's discussion so let me put you do talk tell it uh i mean i've come up with the version of virtual racing what would you like to see brought into this form of racing wasn't a lot of positivity here, Bevan, and not many people had suggestions. Most people were just bitching and moaning about uh, it not being fair and that everybody's going to cheat. Swim, ride, run. The point of sports is that we all play by the same set of rules on the same day in the same conditions and the same referee and see who the best is at the end. Therefore, standard equipment, weight, weigh-in verification, and everyone competes at the same time would be needed and have their own uh, world championship. Okay, we can't really all compete at the same time because we all live in different parts of the world. That does make it hard. Um, and it's a disadvantage. You've got to get up at three in the morning. Mm. It's a bit harder for the guys at five o'clock at night. Uh, Volker, the vascular Viking vault, has got here, uh, if you want to give world championship slops for a virtual race, then do a virtual world champs. As long as not everyone rides on the same equipment, there is no point of taking virtual racing seriously. I lose big time virtually against guys, which I take 10 to 15 minutes out in a 70.3 bikes, which is a good point, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. but if, if you're on a, a smart trainer, it shouldn't be, I don't well, think it'd be that much. Well, 
Arnold agrees. Arnold's just gone, absolutely. He's, just, yep, he's with you. Margot Southgate, she said, I did the Ruby, a 90k Ruby ride at the weekend, and as with the rules, <laughs> and man, I smashed myself for it. However, I got the ride as flagged as too fast, and they questioned my time. For reference, I did about 2.27, which is four to five minutes off what, what my ride is outside at uh, Bustleton on a flat course and gorgeous day, so fine. It annoyed me. <laughs> but it did annoy me. I, f- I flagged the runs because the motivation disappeared for me. I know it's my own choice, but I also didn't get the answer back from them in time to say, okay, all good, validated, and it was published in a public platform. Uh, if they're going to flag a ride, they need people to answer on issues uh, or only flag them after. I think it's going to be near on impossible to manage cheating, but uh, di- uh, but because uh, blah, 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 blah. anyway, Margot got flagged because she absolutely smashed it, and they said, "Hey, we're going to question that one." And so she didn't end up going and doing the runs, which is a bit of a shame. But that's a problem, isn't it? Frustrating. But I am honest and choose to be honest. Sadly, there will always be cheaters, but they but that's get a big found problem out. in the system because you basically get screwed for a great performance. You can, but then I'm sure there is a way that you can come back and revalidate that. Like I remember the good old Philinator, he got disqualified from a race once <laughs> and had a try because they said, you went too fast. Phil's a really good cyclist. And he came back and actually showed them his file going, no, I didn't. I did the correct number of laps and you can look at my other results as well. And they said, okay, fair enough. So I think it was maybe in this instance, it was a computer system that flags it and then maybe they need to override that. There's a young new listener to the show here, John. John Newsom. Well, I was getting a bit annoyed with all the negativity. So <laughs> There's nobody positive about this. <laughs> I'd jump straight onto this if I was in the Northern Hemisphere and building towards potentially late season races. I know it's still very debatable that there might be a few late season races, although in New Zealand there might be now. Uh, and everybody started to kick off there. Jared Bell came came back on here, and he made a really good point. I'm not sure uh, all the negative people have read how tightly regulated this will be compared to the first races. And so the first races, they weren't really races, they were completions, and the stats were a joke, because if you were on a non-smart trainer, you'd record like 45 minutes for, for a 40k ride, so it was a bit silly. Um, results have to be validated against real life uh, in a full or a 70.3, and, uh, or of two of the previous uh, Challenger series. So yeah, uh, plus... I did read something about weight validation and trainer standards. And there is. You've got to be on a smart trainer. You've got to be on the Ruby platform. I think they've taken enough reasonable steps myself. Hell David. Hell David. So John agrees with uh, Gerald, Gerald. And then Hell David goes, Fins. And then John comes back and says, I have faith in humanity. I, <laughs> but anyway. then Hell comes back and goes, well, why do doping, drafting, bending the rules? People cheat, John. John, but John. if you look at that way of life, I mean, God, you never do anything, will you? Why, why even go and do a triathlon? All that happens in a triathlon. This is just a slightly different version. Yeah, okay. In George has got, what has he got here? Unless everybody uses the same trainer and training, uh, trainers are certified along with the rider's weight, then fine. Otherwise, it just won't be a level playing field. Zwift is a fantastic platform for spicing up indoor training, but it's not a substitute for real racing. So you're generally speaking, John, Tash, <laughs> Tash Wentz got, what a load of shit. <laughs> Nothing. Yeah. Thank you. Even, even Brownie got in there. No cheating. Weight doping will be huge. <laughs> there we go. So, John. So there's not a lot of positivity pretty, pretty about, this. Look about this. Very cynical. Everybody's a cheat, apparently. Oh, and I, even, even I got given crap last night for cheating as well. People thought I went cheating. 
I went for a run last night with a, with a group run and I knew as soon as I started my watch because I was a bit late starting my watch, oh, crap it, and went ran and it hadn't found the satellite straight away. Okay. And so apparently last night I did a 1600 meter run, a 1600 kilometer run yep. at an average of two seconds per kilometer. 1600 meters. Yep. So you ran basically length of New Zealand. Yeah. And, yep. and, and, and just over one Mate, hour. I believe you. Two seconds per K. Yeah. I, and literally I got home I was just sitting down for my dinner the file must have uploaded to Strava and the emails started coming in going that was a pretty impressive run wow you try, you're doing the virtual challenge so, so other people are going to make that same error and that's, this is where the results can get screwed up but geez, does, is it I know maybe I'm just naive and I know people cheat but really if you look at it that way yeah, I just wouldn't go and do anything. I think this is fantastic. Uh, I think they've got enough rules in there to make it fair enough. And if people make um, mistakes, <laughs> I think there's enough flags in place that they'll probably get called out. There'll still be cheats in there. But, I'm, if but I the was problem gonna, is, if you cheat, you get the, the reward. Because the thing is, there's not many sites out there. Yeah, but I wouldn't be. Uh, who who really, who and most people going to do this for the slots. There's 75 slots. You have to Some be a will. rock star to get the slot. Yeah, unless you cheat. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, Tash, you're my favourite. <laughs> what a load of shit. Is, Nothing. If, if this was for Kona, I'd be slightly different. Oh, when if this was for Kona, you'd be ripping, you'd be shooting the parts. When there's, at Kona, there's 2,000 slots thereabouts, and it's bloody hard to get them. For 70.3 Worlds, last year in Nice, uh, give them away. they had f- over 5,000 people finishing the race. Uh, so for the, and, which, and if they had 5,000 finishes, I bet you there must have been like six or 7,000 qualifiers because not everybody goes over and, uh, and actually does the race when they've paid up their money. Uh, so having 75 slots here or there, personally, it's not a big deal for me. Uh, and people are probably going, well, you think it's so great. Why don't you do it yourself? Um, at the moment, I'm just training for something else, so that's why I'm not doing it. But if this was in September, October time, they still have this, I'm going to jump on it. I think it's great. Okay, but if you win, will you go to the Worlds? Um, or is that Possibly. Possibly not. Not sure. But uh, it's pretty competitive. The times were pretty solid. I just like about your weight. Yeah. <laughs> but the other thing that I like about it, is it brings, and this is what I was going to say earlier on in the show. No, that's right. We're going back to that bit that you held off to now. <laughs> it, 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 I kind of, like you, I, I'd like it to be a run-bike run format. Yeah, it's a triathlon. But at the same time, then it brings a different element to thinking about your tactics, how you're actually going to play it out. Well, how, so, okay, let's do it. Well, okay, you got two couple, minutes. A couple of minutes. Um, I haven't quite figured out how I'd play it out, but I think I would almost do it continuously. I think that would be the best way to because then you're nicely warmed up so you'd have a 3k run. But you can warm up otherwise. Sorry? But yeah if, if you've done a, say you do the bike in the morning and you go full noise for 40 kilometres and then you've got the rest of the day for your legs, all the crap to just accumulate in your legs and then you go out and try to do a 10k run the way that I think I would do it would be I'd go and do my 3k run of course you do a good warm up for that and then you probably have maybe half an hour or so between your first run and your bike and so then you can get on your bike you can flush your legs out you're still moving and active do your bike and then I'd have a nice warm down off the bike but still keep a high cadence and then probably go and do the do the run so you're not having that get off the bike and have those dead legs from yeah. smashing it but you'd still be really nicely warmed up cadence be nice and high what, what uh, time frame do you have to do it in? you've got to do 12 hours which again I would rather that be a lot shorter but again brings in the tactics other people might go nah I'm going to do the the long run and the, wouldn't the, you be going the night before with the long run smashes pretty oh, sore the next yeah, day true. from maybe that. the short run yeah So, or or you do the you want to have a sleep wouldn't you 
Oh, I don't know. It's not, if, if this was a half or something or a full, maybe a bit different. But for an Olympic distance, uh, I think I'd probably do it pretty close together. You do a good warm-up at night. You run. So what are the distances? 3K run? 3K run, 40K bike, 10K run. So if you smack that at 10 But you can do that in different order. You could do the bike, the, 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 the first 10K run, and then you can do the bike in the other Well, you've got to go where you're going to gain the most time. Mm. So you're going to get the most time in the, the 10K run and the bike. You know, those are the two things that the bike takes the longest, 10K run, and then the short run. So even if you smash out 10, a 3K run, you're only going to make 30 seconds max, aren't you? Mm. You know, if you're a good runner. So so realistically, you want to really think it's strategically about putting that best effort. So I would probably go the night, smash out the bike. And maybe the 3K run? Maybe. Mm. Maybe. Smash out the bike. Yeah, maybe. No, I think they'll damage you too much. I think smash mm. out the bike the night before. It's not going to damage you at all. Mm. Get up in the morning, smash out your 10K run. Mm-hmm. Give yourself a few hours, smash out 3K. It's gonna, you're prob- you might not smash that 3K, but you're only probably going to lose 30 seconds. That's my strategy. So I, I, that's the thing. I, this is not classic triathlon, but I like having a different, you know, just changing the rules a little bit. When I started doing the Zwift racing, you know, going, oh, this is crap. You know, oh, bloody hell, you've got to go max effort at the beginning, and it's, this is not what it's used to, like on the road, etc. It's like, ah, oh, you just got to adapt and, uh, and get used to it. So right. I like the look of it. So I'd say get on it, people, and, and give it a crack. Stop being so and negative, people. The other challenge that Tash. I like is very difficult doing this by yourself, and that's another skill that you've got to develop to actually TT by yourself on a platform and then go out and run and push yourself by yourself. It's another skill, so I, I like it. Okay, John, we're going we're gonna to pause because we've got an interview coming up. So we'll be back in one second. Okay, John, we are back and we... We never really left, did we, Devin? No, not to you guys, but we just did the interviews that we had to do, so that's good news. But we're going to speak about this week's discussion coming up and uh, basically what is the most... Now, unuseful is not a word, John. I, I'm looking at that going, why did I type that? So I put pointless. Yep, good. Because it's spell check, and then I went on Google, and, and basically I said unuseful is actually not a word. Yep, I don't know yep. why. I so the that. most pointless triathlon purchase you have ever made. Mm-hmm. Simple as that, John. Okay, this is this week's discussion coming out. One, two, three, four, four high five. five. It's a quick fire one this week, because I'm getting ready for this uh, South Island epic camp we're going to do later this year. And the more that I look at it, for you guys... How many do, days? Uh, nine days... It's going to be full Monty. And the, the difference this time around is the athletes, are, they're all good, strong athletes, but they're sort of more middle of the Packers as yep. opposed to front of the Packers. And so there's going to be some long days. So if you're listening to it and you're doing it. What's the biggest day you've got? It's a few days of 170Ks on the nice. bike, but specifically one or two of those. Pretty tough. A fair amount of climbing in that. You you did the, the down the west coast uh, of yeah. New Zealand. When remember the day you left Franz Joseph and went to Wanaka, we had some uh, entertainment right. on that ride, but also some hills, and it pissed down with rain That's as right. well. Yeah, okay, they all merged together. To be honest, the days I remember, I remember going up up through when you go up the middle of South Island, and we it got torrential rain that day. Remember oh, that? Th- yeah, th- sort of through the little. And I was with Melina. I think I was with Melina and a couple of other guys, and we ended up going into a cafe, and we were just drenched. And it wasn't cold, luckily, but it was just yeah. like just horrific rain. Yeah, yeah, it's all pretty cool. You guys, people have gone joined. Can people still get on, or is it sold out? Uh, I'm t- having a bit of a waiting list, um, but it's get on a team because seriously, it's such a beautiful. Like I'm so glad I've ridden because I've pretty much ridden the whole South Island because of mm. these camps. And uh, A, the camps are awesome. B, John puts on a great experience for you guys, but it's an amazing train place to train. Mm. You have such a cool the experience. roads should be pretty quiet. So, so we're doing a quick high five on ways to recover when you're on a big multi-day camps. And because I've been discussing, I just was discussing this 
with a few people the other day, I thought, oh, this will do for a high five. Um, so first one, uh, and this is something I've never really had the opportunity to do on a camp, but I'm going to this time around, which I'm pretty excited around, is compression in terms of, uh, well, I, I used tights previously, yeah. so I used the old SLS tights that they don't make anymore, which is a pain, because they oh, were kind they? of the, they were they like the sort of more medical yeah. grade ones as opposed to like skins and things like that uh, I've still got them thankfully but I use them regularly on camps um, but the one thing that I'm excited to use on this camp is some compression boots um, because oh, nice. normally you go to our camps and you, you're really restricted with your luggage but this time around we're leaving from Christchurch uh, so I'm going to be wearing compression boots every day and if you haven't used them before they used them. make a really nice really? difference yeah and no, I was actually wearing them on Friday so last week I did a long run Friday um, middle of the day and knew I had a 5k TT the next morning so I was slammed those compression boots on how Friday long do you wear afternoon. them for uh, I usually go sort of 30 to 45 minutes. So check them on, watch some TV. Mm, exactly. So SLS actually have some on now, uh, and they've got 300 bucks off. So I think they're either, I think they're $699 or seven, $750. Uh, it's pretty good. So go to SLS3.com. Uh, yeah, normally a thousand, 700 now. Yeah, and yeah. you can get yourself some compression. So that's my number one, compression when I'm on camps. Number two is massage. Yeah. Um, a couple of massages, just light massages during the camp. Number three, and a lot of people ignore this one, is hydration. So you can get, especially when you're going through hot camps, get pretty dehydrated during the day and it's really easy to get relaxed after you finish the, the the ride but a key for me is to keep hydrated sort of through the evening and the morning so you're setting yourself up for the next day number four use my extreme endurance during camps makes a big difference and then number five um, make a big focus of doing some flexibility especially in the first sort of three to four days when you're settling in lots of hamstring stretching one you haven't got here john which is a really obvious one is sleep can be difficult. <laughs> yeah, it can be difficult. Yeah. I found on epic camps, I would struggle to sleep and because uh, I was just so fatigued. Um, and so what you've got to do is you've just for me it was like because my first couple of camps I was looking like three hours a night. Mm. Uh, and so when you think of what you're doing and you're tired and um, so you just try to get little naps where you can, like you know even just get twenty minutes a couple of times throughout the day, which is kind of hard on epic camp. But if you, you at the end of the day have a shower, don't be social, get a nap first. Mm-hmm. There's a little kind of, you know, because like, cause yeah. one of the parts of the camp is the awesome, but when you finish your training, everyone's kind of hanging out, telling the stories. It's a really nice camaraderie. You have the experience, but if you can kind of get in, have a shower, have a quick feed, lie down for 20 minutes, having a mm. bit of a nap, and then if you, I don't know, if you can get good bedtime habits in, because it's massively important on those camps. And so why did I bring all that up? I mean, obviously we've got a camp coming up, but I know a lot of you guys will be looking for maybe adventures that are potentially coming up. If there's no racing on the horizon, you might be going, oh, I'm going to do my own little thing. Uh, and just taking all those little points seriously uh, can make for day three, four, five, six being a hell of a lot more enjoyable. Uh, if, you, if you don't do them, you may well tighten up and just start to struggle a bit more. Okay, John, well, let's go to a website. Let's hear some music. Website of the week. Okay, it's a good website this week, John, because we've got the World Sports Coach Summit. So it's an endurance sports coaching summit. Uh, and it's, is it business summit or is it? Uh, so it's called the endurancecoachsummit.com. 
uh, and they're going to have a bunch of guest speakers: Siri Lindley, Greg Bennett, Wayne Goldsmith, uh, Helene Gillam, John Hellman's, Tracy Menzies, uh, and they're going to get twenty of the most influential voices in endurance coaching, sharing the secrets of their success in a twenty-minute impactful virtual presentation, culminating in a series of live panel discussions. So, um, we've even got a promo code for you guys if you want to get on it. Use the promo code IM Talk Ten, and uh, you can get a ten percent discount on the Coach Summit. It's on the twenty. 7th of June uh, and so I think it's it's endurance coach it's for endurance coaching businesses um, but I think this is going to be relevant for pretty much anybody um, just to listen to some of these speakers uh, because there's some some big names there and uh, got a wealth of knowledge so check it out what, what are you paying to do attend John you're paying well if you get an early bird it's pretty reasonable it ramps up as you go as you go closer to the race but I th- to the event uh, you can have a see if you can find $49 US and yeah. with our discount code so it's going to be about $45 US yeah exactly yeah. so endurancecoachsummit.com and use the promo code IMTALK10 now I don't know exactly if this is true but often with these things you, you get access for a period after as well so because mm. often when we've got lots of these online kind of summits uh, you're not going to be able to see everyone live so often now I don't know you may want to check up on that but I imagine that would be the case so check it out Endurance Coach Summit oh, and I'll put a link to that in www.iamtalk.me John we're going to interview we have Justin Metzler it's coming your way here we go Okay, guys, um, we've got one of our up-and-coming pros on today's show, Justin Metzler. He has had a bunch of podiums over the half Ironman distance race at 70.3s. He's won at challenge races at San Gil and Iceland. Uh, and in 2014, he was the US Rookie of the Year. So welcome along to the show, Justin. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. So give, give us a bit of uh, background about yourself, you know, where you're from, where you live, and, and just a bit of a, a athletic background before you got into pro racing. Sure. Yeah, so I am originally from Chicago, Illinois, a little town outside uh, Chicago called Glenview. And uh, yeah, I grew up playing traditional sports. My big sport was basketball. I was uh, For years, I thought I was going to be an NBA shooting guard. So that was my my big passion as a kid. And then when I got to high school, I realized I didn't necessarily have the, the speed or the jumps for that. I can only get about two inches off the ground. So, um, I, I was sort of left in the dust when it came to the speed of the game as all these kids started going, you know, getting bigger and getting faster and stronger and, and dunking on each other. And that wasn't me. So, um, I sort of quit because I was just a bit discouraged in, uh, my abilities, not meeting my expectations. And, yeah, I went to high school and my dad sort of thought, saw me floundering a bit. And he said he was training for Ironman at the time. And he was like, hey, why don't you just come out for a bike ride with me? And so uh, one day I just decided to go with him. And one thing led to the next thing. And I found out that I actually quite liked triathlon. And it suited me pretty well. So in the beginning stages, we I was in, incredibly slow. I mean, we would run 10K and it would take us about an hour. We would stop halfway through for a gel break. And that was our long run for the week, and we'd go home and eat a big pizza. <laughs> so that was the start, and then uh, yeah, from there it just sort of snowballed. I, I figured out I figured out that I actually had some, I guess, endurance sport talent in me, and uh, yeah, I was able to progress pretty quickly from there. Just just on a personal level, you know, you're a young man, you know, at that stage where a lot of young men get a little bit lost. Um, what did you, why was triathlon so important to you at that moment, and what did it help you kind of? How did it help you navigate with life? Yeah, it was massive for me. I mean, triathlon became my entire identity. It, it became what I was known for. I was known as the kid who did triathlon. And in, in my school, there was 
no one else doing triathlon. So it really gave me something um, to hold on to that was cool. And I could be the triathlete. And I was doing all these cool races. And uh, it just gave me purpose. I think at a time where I probably spent a year or two where I just woke up not really motivated to do anything, not motivated to do my schoolwork, not motivated to hang out with my friends. And I just didn't really know what to do. And then um, having a plan and giving my life structure and having something to train for was massively important as a 12, 13, 14 year old. Um, I, I think I read somewhere, maybe an interview you did, that you thought you might be okay at this when you you could actually beat your dad. And Be- Bevan asked me er- earlier in the show when uh, when he thinks my son's going to beat me. So, what was that moment like when you first beat your dad? Well, I think we sort of saw it coming. I, I it was really uh, kind of a bittersweet moment because the reason that I loved triathlon was just mostly because I could hang out with my dad. I mean, my dad and I have always been super close, and this just gave me another outlet to spend time together. Um, so yeah, we would go train in the mornings. We would go train in the evenings. We would go have meals together and we would just generally hang out. And, um, I think he was really excited to see me progress and get faster and really get into this thing and actually potentially see a future in this sport. But I think we were both kind of bummed because we weren't necessarily doing as much training together anymore. So yeah, it was kind of a a fun, bittersweet moment, but I think he was happy to see me, uh, doing well and, and moving through the ranks. So in 2014, you were Rookie of the Year. No, actually, we don't know the American Awards. It must have been pretty cool to get that. Kind um, of the following five years, what was the plan? Did it work? Uh, what didn't work? And what kind of did you learn through that time about being a pro athlete? Yeah, uh, I think my career definitely started off well, uh, earning that Rookie of the Year title. I would say it was a little bit unexpected. I didn't, in my mind, do anything groundbreaking. I think I was top five at maybe six or seven 70.3s. I don't think I was outside the top 10 in my rookie year. So it was more of, um, it sort of set the tone for the remainder of my career saying that I'm more of a consistent athlete than, than like a one trick pony where I've got, you know, one great race in the two years and then you don't hear my name again. I'm sort of like, I feel like I've always sort of just in, I'm always sort of in the mix and I'm still kind of waiting for that big breakthrough. Um, but the same sort of thing happened in my rookie year. And, uh, yeah, so I had those, those promising performances, um, and actually funny story is I wasn't even going to race pro that year because I was so young. I earned my elite license, I think a couple of times when I was 17, 18 and I turned it down. And then when I was 19, I won uh, a half Ironman, a rev three race in Florida. And I won the overall amateur by, I think like 20, 30 minutes. And Jeez. then, uh, my dad was, my dad was always looking at me like, Hey man, I think you need to just like learn and really get to the place where you can be competitive as a pro and it was sort of last minute decision to take my elite license for the remaining year or for the following year and uh yeah i ended up taking it and uh and things ended up going going pretty well that first year um so so yeah it was a, a good way to kick things off and then in terms of uh whether or not things worked and how things went from there i mean yeah like i said it's sort of just i'm still a young guy i just turned 27 last week so um every year is just an evolutionary process i've Right after my rookie season, I hired Jesse Kropelnicki from QT2 Systems, who was a massively impactful person, not only in my sporting career, but in my life. Just an amazing person, an amazing mentor, um, just a great coach. I learned so much from him, and I worked with him for uh, four and a half years. And, uh, yeah, he, he took me to – we went all around the world, uh, him coaching me. And, yeah, I got my first uh, half-distance win with him and all these podiums. And then, um, yeah – I ended up transitioning to do something something new in the recent um, recent time, but but yeah, that sort of uh, gives you guys a very quick uh, five year summary from rookie season to now. 
And you, you seem to have um, more success over the half distance than the full. So you've certainly done some falls, and you had a, you know, a pretty solid Florida. I think it was last year with an 8:03 against a really strong um, field. So what, what's your sort of preference when it comes to racing? Uh, is it halves or fulls, or, and, and maybe where do your strengths and weaknesses lie? Yeah, I think in the long term, full is definitely going to be the place where I want to go, and I held. I held back on racing Ironman for a really long time, just due to my age. Everyone on my team, my family, uh, my girlfriend, now wife, and my coach, Jesse, at the time, you know, I really wanted to do an Ironman, but everyone was like, hey, dude, you can't, if you do too many of these too young, you're really not going to have a long career. And my objective is to race uh, well into my uh, prime, which hopefully is uh, coming soon, you know, early 30s to mid 30s, even to late 30s. We're seeing some of these athletes have great performances. Um, so I, di- I didn't really race Ironmans early in my career, and I've only done four, so it's hard for me to give you a great, um, to say one preference or the other. I think I have a lot of comfort at 70.3. I think I've done maybe 70, 70.3s, but I've only done four Ironmans. I think in the long term, Ironman's going to be where I find my home, but um, for now, I think I prefer the 70.3 just because I'm comfortable there. So, so Kona is a carrot for you? Oh, big time. I mean, that was, that was my dream as a kid, watching Hawaii, watching the NBC broadcast, uh, just, just dreaming of being on the island when I was growing up. I mean, all the guys, um, they were my idols. I mean, I had posters of, of all the guys who were winning at the time. Um, and idolizing, I think a lot of the, um, the bigger guys, um, like Chaborn Sindabale, oh, yeah. um, from Denmark. He was a big, you know, six, five guy. I was a big fan of Matty Reed. He did Olympic distance and half Ironman, but he was incredibly successful. Paul dude. Um, just cause I'm real, I'm real tall and, and, and pretty big myself. So, um, yeah, just like Kona was always the, is, continues to be and always will be kind of my big, the big overarching theme of my career goal. So you've obviously qualified, have you? In the past, have you qualified? Oh, not yet. Okay. No, I haven't raced Hawaii. My, my wife has raced, but yeah, I actually had never been to Kona. Um, I went last year to watch my wife race, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, I've never really gone. It's never really been my objective. Like I've never been in a position to race an Ironman and, legitimately qualify i feel like i'm still just trying to put the pieces together at ironman it's such i'm coming to learn it's a lot harder than it seems on paper so i was hoping to have that opportunity this year but of course things aren't necessarily panning out as we all expected so hopefully my next one i I give it a good stab and a good crack so you're obviously sort of alluding to what's going on in the world at the moment and you're based in boulder colorado i think you guys have had a fairly serious lockdown over there so what have you sort of done during the the lockdown period and have you had any sort of specifics you've really been trying to work on yeah i think everyone's handling this situation differently i think some people are taking a month off some people are training full gas 30 hours a week and i think i find myself somewhere in the middle and my coaches and i uh, i work with julie dibbins and matt bottrell um they work together and, and they coach me Matt works on the cycling and Julie works on everything else. And we sat down and we said, Hey, look, we can look at this a bunch of different ways. But the number one thing for me was I definitely recognize that I still have big limiters and uh, things that are preventing me from winning big races and taking that next jump to be one of the next, next big guys at 70.3 and Ironman. So um, the biggest low hanging fruit for me was working on my cycling. So early in the season, I went to the wind tunnel. I got a new bike sponsor um, I'm taking all these steps on my to work on my cycling, and so we've used this time to really try and dial in my bike. And so when we can get back to racing, that's not my uh, limiting factor to winning races anymore. 
Um, so I did a 10 mile time trial out on the road and yeah, we're doing a bunch of, bunch of different rides. So I'm just trying to make it fun and, and try and turn that weakness into a strength by the time we get back out there. So, so with, with your bike, is, is it more about trying to, you know, improve your FTP by doing sort of short, powerful intervals or you're doing sort of long reps or endurance, you know, any specifics you, you want to share? I know you don't want to probably don't want to tell us everything, but just maybe give us a few little tidbits. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, working with Matt has been pretty revolutionary for my cycling. And working with Julie, because uh, I was coached by Julie exclusively for a year before we brought Matt um, into the onto our team. And there have been a lot of successful athletes who work with them in, uh, together. For example, Tim Don has worked with them uh, as a combined coaching staff for years. Tim O'Donnell works with them as a combined coaching staff. And these are people who are my peers and my friends and my training partners, Um and so having Matt come in has made my riding hard. It's been very difficult, very challenging sessions. I think I'm trained more like a cyclist in terms of the actual mm. content. Um, so p- very, very high intensity, you know, pretty short in duration, sometimes long in duration. I, mean, we, I think Matt and Julie's philosophy is similar in that they're just trying to make me a really well-rounded cyclist. So we work on everything. Super long rides, super long intervals, very short high-end stuff, very high-end microbursts. Um, but the biggest changing factor for me has been the focus on aerodynamics. And for me, that's always been my biggest limiter. My, my two biggest issues have been my, my top end range. I'm a pretty aerobic athlete, like a diesel engine. So I always struggle in the beginning part of the race. So I come out the water with the lead group, but then I get, I lose the group in the first 10 minutes. So trying to make that scenario not happen anymore. And then also like I've alluded to my height. Um, I'm six foot four and I'm on an XL bike. And so getting all of this surface area slippery in the wind is a lot more difficult for me than a real tiny guy who's, you know, five foot eight or whatever. Mm. So yeah, we've, we've been making a lot of, uh, trying to focus on that and, and, uh, yeah, make that a big aspect of my training every day, actually. You started your career very young, as you alluded to earlier. Um, what would you advice would you give to someone in a similar position now? What would be some of the lessons that maybe you wish you knew at that time that you could kind of, you know, teach to up and coming young kids who maybe are thinking about becoming pros? Yeah, I think I think I'll give you one thing I did right was I hired coaches early, and I think my dad, like I said, he was doing Ironman, but he never tried to overstep, and he recognized that he was just a you know every sort of average everyday, uh, you know, runner, get around the course type dude. And so I hired co- my first triathlon coach, I think when I was 13. And that has been an instrumental part of everything that I've done is just always having someone guiding what I'm doing and ensuring that I'm not doing too much. I think mm-hmm. for kids, that's the biggest thing. If you're interested in triathlon, um, yeah, making sure that you're just not hammering away on the training every day at a young age, that's an important thing. Um, and I wish I potentially didn't specify in although triathlon is three sports i wish i would have played continued playing more traditional sports for longer because i think that from an athletic standpoint i think that's important to have some sort of just general athleticism other than swim bike run so i wish i would have continued playing basketball a little bit more so my advice would be for any kid who's 12 13 14 years old if you have interests outside of swim bike run continue to pursue those like you've got an entire lifetime to continue to get good at triathlon particularly in a sport where the more mature athletes are generally more successful so um if you've got other dreams that you want to pursue continue to continue to go for that passion 
I'm going to take a sound bite of that and play that to my 13 or 12 year old son this morning because he won't listen to me, but he might listen to you. Yeah, so. they never listen to you. <laughs> um, is, he, is he in the triathlon? He is big time. Passionate. He's, he's, uh, he's just a bit over the top and <laughs> just trying to control things a little bit. <laughs> well, okay, I, I, I told you what I wish I would have done, so I was there. That was me as a 13 year old kid. And I think. Like even if my parents wanted to try and uh, you know put that flame out a little bit and let help me diversify, there was no telling me any different as a thirteen year old kid. So at, at some point, you just got to let him do his thing, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, you mentioned your wife before, who we're going to have a chat to later on. Um, big question for me is: Has she beaten you? And if so, how many times? I don't think she has. There's been a couple times where it's been close. Um, she's definitely outrun me. I'll give you that. Yeah. Um, and that's sort of her thing. You know, I think there've been a couple of races where she's beat me by a minute or two. I think it's only once or twice, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I hope she doesn't beat me because that means I'm probably having a uh, more tough day, but she's freaking quick. So I gotta, I gotta really keep, uh, keep stringing the good consistent races together because otherwise she's coming from my tail. Um, we've got a few other random questions we, we sort of ask people. You've kind of asked our first one around your sort of youth development. And um, we always try to ask one about drugs. So if you, when you're lining up against someone who's failed a positive drugs test, um, how do you feel? Does it motivate you? Do you not give a shit? Do you go, I'm just really, really want to beat that guy? Or how do you sort of feel when you, you line up against somebody, if you have done, no doubt, somewhere along the line? Yeah, I don't know if I've necessarily lined. Well, yeah, I can think of one example where someone really kind of uh, who's a, a notorious sort of positive, uh, served a doping ban, and then I've raced them multiple times. And yeah, it's it's a really tough one because I don't know if I specifically get angry at them. I think it's more so just if that person beats me, I'm upset after the fact for them taking my check yeah. um, because I know that I'm doing it the clean way. And perhaps if that person got served a doping ban, even if it was 20 years ago, they had an advantage in the training at that time, but they're still reaping the benefits of today. Mm. Um, and so that's the thing that, that drives me crazy. I think more than anything, um, particularly at a, at a time in my career a couple of years ago, and even now where, you know, a $2,000 paycheck at a race means a lot to me. Um, and so if that person's ahead, it really kind of grinds my gears. I don't know if it motivates me to push any harder during the race, the fact that that person's a known doper, but after the fact, I'm pretty, pretty uh, hacked off about it. Just as, off those random questions, but just what's the best part of being a pro and what's the hardest part? Uh, I think the best part about being a pro is the ability to do what I love every day. Um, and have, be able to set my own schedule and make my life around my training. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's the best thing. I, I just, I love to train and I've always loved to train. So to be able to call that my job, obviously racing is the, is the title, but the training is a, is a big part of that. So to be able to train every day, that's a gift and a privilege. So that's definitely the best part. Um, the hardest part I think in the past for me has been trying to figure out a way to become financially stable. Um, and in recent years I've, found other avenues to do that and realized that it's very difficult to do it on racing and sponsorship alone. So I've started coaching more and just opening up our profile in terms of stuff that we offer. Um, but that has been my biggest stress for years, just trying to make ends meet and just, just eat and pay my rent mm-hmm. for sure. That's tough as a pro triathlete. Yeah, definitely. A few random nutrition questions. What's your um, race morning breakfast and, uh, and your post-race meal? Okay. Yeah, definitely pre-race, nice strong coffee. First thing, 
I'll typically just have like a bar and then uh, always a bottle of sports drink I'm sponsored by First Endurance, their company here in the States. And then, uh, yeah, I'll just munch on like gels and blocks and always have a banana before the race as well. Um, yeah, just pretty basic stuff, nothing crazy. And then, um, yeah, I also like to always have a bit of extra salt in the morning. So if I'm having a banana, I'll just like grind some pink Himalayan sea salt on that. Um, and just, yeah, make sure I'm getting that sodium in. And then, uh, yeah, in addition to that, uh, post-race is always, I'm always looking for a margarita. That's always one of the <laughs> Like the salt, sweet, that's the spot with the chips and guac. If you can get the chips, guac, and margarita, there's nothing better than that. Nice. <laughs> when you're out there racing, are you using technology or like in terms of power meter, et cetera, or are you just sort of racing by feel? 100% technology. Matt Bottrell is the yeah, I get a specific pacing plan and obviously you have to use your own metrics, but typically I'm, I'm pretty slaved up to the power meter. Uh, with your legs, wax or shave? Shave, never wax. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm, not a big, I'm not a big shave guy though. Like all you typically use the buzzer, but I don't get all like, I, I don't like to travel to a race and have to worry about shaving my legs, particularly because they're so long. It takes me like half an hour. So I'll, I'll maybe buzz them. I'll buzz them before I fly. And then that's as like, that's as, as shiny as they get. Yeah. <laughs> Do you use uh, any facial moisturizer or facial products? No. no. Just the soap in the shower. That's a three in one. And everyone you, you need, me you you need to start your 27, mate. You're 27. Start now. Start now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And, I need to get on that. And have you run, have you ever trained for a uh, marathon specifically? And if you, if, if you haven't, if you gave yourself, say, six months of 100% run focus, what do you think you could run a uh, fresh marathon in? All right. Great question. I've never trained for an open marathon. Um, but because of all this current, uh, uh, COVID quarantine situation, I've been training for a 5k on the track that I'm running Friday. Oh, nice. Um, so I spent six, uh, like six weeks. We did that cycling block early in the season. You can't just keep hammering away at your bike. So we needed to like back off that a little bit. And so I've been focusing on my run, which is in the past racing has been my strength. I'm typically like a swim uh, front pack, lose a little time on the bike, and then run my way through the field as far as I can get. Um, but I've never done a 5K. That's, that's mm-hmm. just, I ran 5K cross-country in high school, but now I uh, I just did like a 5K for fun maybe six, eight weeks ago, and uh, yeah, I set my PV. So now we've done six weeks of training. I'm going to try and knock a real fast one out at the track. Um, so maybe we can get those times. I'm going to run a competition on my Instagram for if anyone wants to go around. Well, what, do you, what, do you think, what do you think you'll be close to? My... So I'm in Boulder, so we're at, uh, I don't know what it is in meters, but we're at 5,500 feet here. So that's, I considered going down to sea level for it, but I also don't want to take it that seriously. So my goal is between 15 and 1530. I feel like up here, that'd be pretty good. Excellent. Um, Very nice. Also, if you do do the VDOT on that one, that means you're going to do a marathon about 226. There you go. Twenty six. Uh, yeah, I mean my 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 half marathon PB in a triathlon is uh, one twelve low. Okay. So I I feel like I could probably get if I focused on it. Yeah, two twenty. Yeah, between two twenty and two twenty five, I'll give myself yeah. a little bit. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yep. Um, awesome. If people want to follow you, um, what's the best way to do that? Or if they want to reach out to you, is it uh, Facebook, Twitter? What what do you what do you? Where can people follow you? Yeah, anyone, yeah, feel free to reach out. I respond to like all my messages. Uh, Instagram is the best way to go, uh, at Big Mets Try. And then, yeah, if you want more information about me, you can go to my website, bigmetstry.com. 
and uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much all of it. Awesome. Now we're looking. Oh, it, obviously, it's really hard to predict what you're going to be doing um, this season when you don't know uh, what races are going to be on or off. But have you sort of got any plans at this stage? You know, like with that maybe that Daytona race, or yeah, any any plans at this stage um, for this year? Not particularly. I would love to get back to Ironman Florida. That would be the the big the big goal for me. I was within a stone's throw of the podium at mile 23 of the marathon running people down. And then the piano fell on my back and I ended up <sighs> finishing sixth. And yeah, I think fourth place was like 25 seconds ahead. So I, that was just such a tough race. Um, but I'm so motivated to go back there and, uh, yeah, avenge my <laughs> final five Ks of that marathon, which like I said, I'm still trying to put the pieces together. So I'm holding out for a race in November. I'm not super confident that anything's going to happen this year, but if it does, we're trained to be ready, and uh, and hopefully, yeah, hopefully we can improve on last year. Sweet, right, guys, look out for Justin Metzler, name on the rise, and uh, thanks for your time. Cheers, guys. Thanks for having me. Your thoughts, Jumbo? Oh, it's great. He looks like he's progressing in the, in the right direction. And uh, as I said, with that Florida result, he was right in the mix. And that was on a day where um, Joe Skipper was going nut bar. He was, and, wasn't he? And as was Ben Hoffman. So it was a really strong field. So 803 in Florida. I know it's a sub eight course, um, but 803 is still pretty handy. And especially when you have a bit of a blow up. So it was very close to doing a sub eight performance. So good on him. Looking forward to seeing how he progresses. Okay, John, let's go to Winger of the Week. And Winger of the Week this week is going to be number 30. 30. You were thinking, you were thinking, shall I do anything here? Yeah, I, just went, I went with it. It's amazing, it's amazing how thinking happens, John, because I started with 30, and then in my head I thought, Scotty Pippen, 33, and I thought, I've done the Jordan thing recently, so no, don't go with Scotty Pippen. And then I thought, just go with 30. Andrew Charles was number one. We should have done number one. Andrew Charles? What have you been doing, Charlesy? Charlesy! 32 hours and 38 minutes. Took it out by 20 minutes. Nice work. But down at number 30. Andrew Charles, is a name? Jason Lenski. He, oh, yeah? He was a pro athlete? Yeah. He beat me in Wanaka a few years ago and gave me a little slap on the ass when he came past after I'd completely detonated. Uh, so good on him. Came all the way out to New Zealand. Is he still racing as a pro, under? No, he hasn't raced as a pro, I don't think. Uh, oh, I thought he was no. trying to be a pro for a bit. Yeah. Uh. So he's from Phoenix, Arizona. I'm not sure if he's still based there. Uh, yesterday, he did a PR on the Dirt Hill Sprint. So good on Jason. Last week, he did 17 hours and 30 minutes, four hours and 31 minutes of... This looks a bit different on Strava today. Sometimes. Yeah, I think that's the changes. We don't get as much sexies. Where's my... I can't see the run... Oh, there we go. I've just got to scroll across. Maybe that's just my browser. Uh, okay, so Justin did 17 hours, 34 hours, 31 minutes. So obviously their pool is open. Nine hours and seven minutes on the bike and three hours and 51 minutes on the run. So Jason Linsky, good work. You are our wanger, wanger of the week. week. Okay, Jonbo, let's talk about this. Uh, questions. Uh, oh, no, I've got a few ones. Uh, good old Tim Hemming's got one he sent through. He's got the Jesse <laughs> the Elf oh, won the virtual eight triathlon. And uh, the reason he's talking about this is Jesse is committed to being an elf. He is. Now, this was sent a week ago. So this he won the the previous round when it was you know, a bit of a free-for-all. There wasn't the sort of you need to be on a smart trainer. Um, and there was you could do it on treadmills, etc. But that's by the by. This is just a bit of an interesting story. So Jesse is a bit of a bit of a character, and he's actually kind of calls himself Jesse the Elf. He's a professional triathlon, a triathlete, and a dog runner from Canada. And he's actually made his ears look like elf ears. So he's, he's surgically done it. He's changed his name 
So his surname is now Alf because he loves. Uh, uh, did you watch the clip or not? No, I didn't. No. I, I did. so he's a bit of a character, is he? Yeah. So he's changed his name to Alf because he loves loves elves. He loves yep. Christmas and all that sort of yep. stuff and everything around it. So he changed his name to Alf. He's obviously a quality athlete. Yeah. Um, because he was moving pretty quick when he did these these VR challenges. And he, and he raced in the Super League. Yeah. Uh, oh, that would have been the, Ottawa. the that would have been the sort of second tier one, oh, which okay. is still still yeah, got to be yeah, bloody yeah. competitive. Yeah. But he's had his ears surgically changed. He's had the lobes cut off the bottom, and he's had the tops pointed. And so he's got the name Alf. He looks like an Alf. He takes the whole theme very seriously in everything that he does. But he's a bloody fast athlete. I just thought it was an interesting thing to do. And as to Tim, he said, "What the." If. Well, I was telling John, oh, no, I was telling Tim, I responded, there was a guy at the gym who used to come to the gym, and his last name, he changed his last name to Dracula, and he had his teeth done. Oh, really? Yeah, so he actually yeah. got like his teeth to make his teeth look like Dracula, and he, he basically had the look, man, he was committed to being Dracula, and uh, yeah, he was, yeah, and he'd sleep in a coffin at night. <laughs> <laughs> You've added a lot of questions and answers here, man. Well, there's a few here that are pretty good. Okay, John, I heard, uh, so John's just mentioning that, try rating, okay, so John was saying a few weeks ago that Slow Twitch used to have the, all the history of the top 10. They do, it's great, but. But they haven't really updated recently. Well, who do we expect to do that, John? The Geek. The Geek. Try rating has got all the top 10s on there. So he's taken the slow twitch. Well, no, he hasn't taken the slow twitch ones. He's got them all on there. Plus, he's got the more recent ones. So if you do ever want to go and check out who the hell has been in the top 10 in Kona, go to tryrating.com. And it's actually, if you go to the front page, it's one of the top links or one of the top tabs at the top. Mm. So it's pretty obvious once you get there. Now, Tim Heming sent through an email to me, John. Yeah. And unfortunately, Tim, I can't get John to do it today because he's looking a bit casual. But we, <laughs> the, the challenge, have you seen this before? The bring Sally up, bring Sally down, press up challenge. No. Because Tim was saying, you're doing 15 press ups a day. It's time for Newson to do a, a challenge showing his press up strength on the show. Yeah. And this challenge is, this is a song. So you click on that YouTube clip. Uh, right. So what it is, and I'm sure many of you have heard of this, but there's a song, bring Sally up, bring Sally down. Yeah. And the whole idea of it is, so watch it. Bring Sally up, bring Sally down. It's a Moby song. It's a great song. So the whole idea of it is, is when Sally's up, you're in a hold, you're at the top yeah. of your press up. When it's down, you hold an isometric contraction, holding at the bottom. Goes for about three minutes twenty. Yeah, this this clip is three minutes fifty three, but I don't know if that might have a yeah, little I bit on the beginning or the end. Yeah, it's a good little bit. So it's about three minutes twenty, I think, altogether. If you if you can do the whole thing. Now, John, it. next week you'll be wearing your your your, your tights again on my couch. I think we're going to do the challenge. Now, I I'll be honest to you, John. I have done this. I did about two or three years ago. A friend of mine put it yeah. on Facebook. I don't have much faith in you. <laughs> no, I'm with you. I'm with you. And even me, because I thought to, I thought we might do it today. Just throw it on your mate. You do it today. Um, I don't know if I'll be able to pull it off. It's 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 pretty bloody tough. Because the thing is, like, I can do a prone. Like, I can you do shouldn't it. have told me about it because now I can actually do a little bit of a training session. Yeah, for well, it with the kids. Yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, it's good uh, luck. Yeah, because it's the thing about it is. Because like I can do, like me and my, we had a party a few weeks ago. Me and my friends we did a plank competition. I think I held a plank for maybe seventeen minutes, um, and and we kind of you know I can do a plank for a long time basically. I can press up you know I can easily do a hundred press ups if I yeah. need to, but this is the, the combination of the holding at the bottom, 
really get you. Mm -hmm. So it's isometric, just holding at the bottom, just really blast you. Mm. And you watch in the video, if you watch the video, one of the guys, when he's pushing up, he's, he's humping the ground. <laughs> so uh, so next week, look out team, and we'll make a video of it. John and I take, taking on the, the Bring Somebody Up, Bring Sally Down Challenge. My upper body strength is woeful at the moment. And but you've, been done, you've done your month of 15. I have, but like swimming this morning, I was blown out the back door after about 2Ks. No, uh, so... Yes. Uh, just um, John Innes. Now he's got here. He's got here. He was listening to the show last week at the end of episode 720 while doing some sessions on the Swift. I reached for my phone and accidentally podcast on half speed just as Bevan was talking about his romantic open fire in Tekapo. It sounded like you two were uh, off your heads and it almost wet myself laughing. And he said, it's so funny, he's actually made the clip for us. So he sent it through to us. Now John's got to pause. So what we might do is he'll pause and then I'll show it to him. But what I'll do is I'll put it in the show for you guys to have a listen to at the end of the show. It, it is pretty funny because you put people on that slow mode and they say, like they're drunk. Well, somebody used to listen to us um, in fast forward. Oh, that, that, that's all right. Yeah. Yeah, because we can actually listen faster than we than we speak. Yeah. Uh, so that's, but yeah, I'll, I'll show you John when we pause. No, nice work, John Ennis. And then we've got one from Hua Chin and Hua Chin's has got, my name is Hua Chin, I live in Boston, so I've been listening to the show for years. As you know, currently in the US is absolute turmoil. Yeah, sorry for America, man. It just seems like a pretty horrible time for you guys right now. Uh, we're on the verge of another racial riot and just lots of Black Mice Matter stuff. And what he wants to do is he wants to use this as a way to fundraise for some really important stuff. So he's going to be running a mile every hour on the hour from Saturday the 20th June to Sunday the 21st. If you're interested in sharing, could you please share with your listeners, as you guys are on the other side of the world, can you still participate? You can participate as I'll be running it through the night. He's going to use a Zoom call. So if people want to, they can sign up for a specific hours and I'll send you an invite so you can join me on a social Zoom call. Zoom, if you're unaware, is like social, or everyone knows what Zoom is at the moment. Uh, if you want to get created and be involved, involved with this, you can go to his website, thetrainingroomboston.com and sign up for MindBody and you can join him on a fundraising thing that he's doing. So yeah. I think this is uh, this is not my cup of tea to do the 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 mile every hour or whatever yeah. but doing things like this where you actually can join with a few people even if you don't know them yeah. can give you the motivation if you've been thinking oh, I'd quite like to do that yeah. but it's bloody hard by myself uh, and so for an example like I, I need to do a 5k TT at the weekend and I had a few other people that I was giving programs to that need to do it I just put it out there and said right yeah, to the club um, anybody else want to come and do a 5k hard and we had like 15 people yeah. still Bevan out there and uh, it, was, it was raining pe- personal best Bevan oh, really? um, just because we had a whole bunch of people that oh just that, that draw that, of people yeah that, that, that rocked up and, and it gives you did you get a personal push. best uh, no, I did not. Mm. <laughs> um, but lots of other people did, so I'm a better coach than I am an athlete. So um, just, just go back to Shai. So his website is thetrainingroomboston.com, and I'll put a link to it in the show notes if you want to join him on that. And again, it's on the 20th of Saturday, the 20th of June, and running through to Sunday. And you know, if you want to do it, and, and also if you've got a bit of money you want to chuck his way, by all means do it. Same thing would apply if you're thinking about a lot of people think about maybe doing an Everest challenge, especially a Zwift one. If you can get a little meetup going there, uh, well, funded off your mates, wouldn't it? Yeah, or just with anybody, and it might be the time differences is quite quite off. But if you say right, well, we'll we'll, we'll be Zwifting from whatever time in the morning, and we'll be doing you know you've got to do eight and a half times Alpha Zwift, I think it is. Uh, 
yeah, you just know there's a few people, other people out there suffering as well, even if you're in a different part of the world. So nice work. Okay, John. Uh, John's got to pause. We've got to pause again because John's got to... I've got to do a booking. We're going down to Stewart Island. We were supposed to be down there in April this year doing uh, one of the New Zealand Great Walks. And sometimes these things sell out really quickly. And I've committed to the crew that I said, I'm booking it at 9.30. It opens at 9.30. And it's just clicked over 9.30 now. Okay, you get on it. We'll be back in one second. And in, in when John was doing that there, I got an email from Peter Colston saying, how about that run yesterday? So people, people, it's all the talk, John. It was. It's all it was. the talk. Okay, John, let's talk about our patrons. We've got three amazing patrons we're going to give some love to today. Again, if you want to become a patron, go to www.iamtalk.me. And it's been cool because we've been lots of support through this time. It has been a funny time. It's just nice to see so many people support what we do. John, let's name a few. Stephen, The Storm, Dianidas. Uh, I've got Ed, Unbreakable Schmidt. And Sonia, the glue brace girdle, who we had in the studio earlier in this year with Walt, her husband. Oh, uh, yeah. And I'm not sure where they're going to be at the moment. They were lovely, weren't they? They were indeed. Lovely couple. Lovely couple. Okay, guys, if you, again, if you want to be a patron, go to www.iamtalk.me. It's all pretty obvious. If you want to get your show emailed to you, go to the same website down the front of the front page. Uh, put your information in, and I'll send you an email each week when we release the show. Coaching, coachjohnnewsome.com. If you want to listen to my podcast, bevanjamesisles.com. Any other age group of the week, call websites, other feedback, send them to imtalkpodcast at gmail.com. John, what's your goss? What's my goss? Had a good meal out of the weekend. Went to Fifth Street, great place in Christchurch. Is it good? Yeah, people oh, talk about it. Outstanding Why? Um, well, it's kind of shared food, you know, sort of family <gasps> style stuff. And do you then, like doing shared food? Oh, I do, because with this, then you get to try a whole bunch of different things. Yeah, but you're a big eater. I know. Is that a problem? N- no. Oh, because it's shared, is it enough? Yeah, there's enough. Well, you've got to spend enough to get enough. Yeah, that's the problem. Because <laughs> um, I go shared and I'm like, there'll be one thing I want, and all I want to do is eat that. Yeah, no, I'm the vacuum cleaner. I just oh, I just get whatever's left over. Yeah. You guys <laughs> having that? <laughs> Bring it my way. <laughs> Awesome, awesome food. <laughs> Outside of that, Ben, as said, did long bays with little Tommy. That was pretty cool to go and do that. And saw you out there on Saturday morning with the yeah. crew. So how'd the run go? Uh, I said on Friday, I was out for a run with uh, Tyrone, who I do a bit of running with yeah. at the moment. And he said, oh, what are you going to do? I said, oh, if I can be 17.30, I'll be pretty happy. I've done no speed work whatsoever. Um, been doing quite a bit of running, but nothing fast. So if I do 17.30, I'll be So happy. did you pace it for a 17.30? No, I just ran it and just, just went for it. And it's 17.31. Oh, so it's not it's fast, but it's uh, it was acceptable. Do you remember a couple of years ago you th- thought you were going to try to get down to 16? That's quite a way off. <laughs> yeah. Well, you didn't even... You kind of just put it out there and then next day it was, uh, maybe we won't hit Yeah. No, I... I, I, I I want to be sub-17, uh, well under 17 by the time I do this half marathon in August. So that's my little mini goal to try to chop 30 seconds off. And it was, yeah, it was a time trial. We had a dead turn in there as well. And that's excuses, excuses. Yeah, um, that's all I'm hearing. But, uh, yeah, if I can be sub-17, I'll be I'll be happy by, by August time. Bevan, what about for you? We went out to a beautiful place as well. Kaiser, Kaiser, above the, the market in town now. Oh yeah, Riverside Market. We got given a voucher for this. So we went there for lunch on Friday, and it's a good food. Mm. Oh, just lots of flavour and lots mm-hmm. of different. And because it was a voucher, it was a pretty decent voucher. You kind of do. You know, yeah, go go nuts. We did go a bit nuts, so that was kind of cool. And then I've been a handyman, John. Oh, I'm pretty proud of myself and my wife. She helped me. Um, because if you come to our house, there's a bathroom next to. That's uh, a bit of a funny design because we've got this lounge. Which we're in. Is this yep. where our lounge? Yeah. This is the studios. Uh, this is our lounge. And it has a bathroom right next to it. And It's my regular wee stop that, probably yep. two or three times each podcast. Yep, John goes and has a wee. I hear him put away. And then, but the thing is, the person who built this house, 
they were planning to live here forever and unfortunately for them they're a builder and tough times in building they had to sell it great for us <laughs> so i think their idea is because it's quite a big upstairs section mm-hmm. um so their idea was eventually the parents who lived overseas could come and use this as a bedroom mm-hmm. so they created a bathroom like we've got a proper bathroom right next to our lounge mm. and we've got bathrooms downstairs as well so we don't we never use this other than for the toilet but it's got two doors so you've got a door to the mm-hmm. lounge and a door to the hallway the hallway door was always stuck, John. Ah, yeah, it was always stuck, and uh, and it was cause, yeah, I, I never used it. I'd go to the toilet, walk in the lounge, go to the toilet. I'm interested to hear the level of your DIY here. Okay, you're, you're painting a big bloody okay, story. So there, so there, there, there's that. And then also in that bathroom, John, what had happened was they had a towel rail, but it was kind of like an L shape towel rail. Mm-hmm. So it's, obviously people would pull on a towel rail and made a bit of a dent in the wall. Mm-hmm. So there was a big ugly hole in the wall, not hole in the wall, but you could see the the towel rail was pulled off the wall, so it didn't look very good. So I've always thought to myself, when we, we we're going to get some steps made outside. And so when we get steps, we'll get the builder to do those couple of jobs as well. And then I thought to myself last weekend, Sunday, I had nothing on the agenda. I thought, you know what, John? I'm going to be a handyman. Great. So we went down to my 10, bought some mm-hmm. filler, mm-hmm. bought a new tail rail, mm-hmm. got some paint, got all the stuff like that, got some sandpaper, then took the door off. So we took the door off. Taking the door off is the easy part. Getting it back on is the harder part. Actually, it was really easy. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Gosh. Maybe because it's a newer door. Yeah. Because the house isn't that old. So we took the door off, got the old plane out, yeah. borrowed the plane from the father-in-law. Yeah, nice. Got the plane. Yeah. Joe's holding the door because it's going all over the place. Yeah. Put plane it back on. Put the, put the door back in. It was actually a piece of piss putting the door back in. I was pretty happy about nice. that. Then uh, door opens and closes. John now. That's what a door's supposed to do. No catching at the bottom, no kind of mark on the tiles. Yeah. And then I did the did the I had I had to do the pa- the plastering over two days. Oh yeah, I've got to do that. Yeah, so I did the plastering, did the plastering, painted it, put the new towel rail up. Joe's help, uh, John. I have to admit, I'm not much. You're not much of a handyman, are you? I'm almost banned from doing work. Yeah, <laughs> almost banned. Yeah. <laughs> But we can hire you. We're doing our bathroom coming up, and uh, no, you don't want to you're hire talking me. yourself into a job. No, you definitely don't want to hire me. But I gotta say, it's pretty satisfying when it's mm. done. Like I've walked in that bathroom to not use the toilet quite a few times mm. in the last few days, and I've just opened the door, mm. and I put a door stop on behind there recently, and oh I never God. needed it because because the door never really opened. But now, but you're now just slamming it into that door stop, and I'm like, a handyman, oh, I was John. Unbelievable, no, believable, but impressive. And then my second piece of news, John. The band's back together. Band's back together. Band's back together. We're taking it Who's serious. Who's on lead vocals? Well, Dave. Dave's, Dave's a guitarist. Dave, Dave's a very good musician. Mm-hmm. I'm an I'm an okay musician, but uh, we, we're, we're, we're pretty complimentary. But our last drummer left, and it, partly our fault because we were never that focused. Mm-hmm. What happens in bands is you kind of start with this good intentions and never happens. So what I've decided is we're getting back together. And we've got to focus. Oh, like I don't practice piano at all now. I'm writing songs. I'm practicing for the band. Like we're singular focused. So we're, we're having a jam with a drummer on Thursday night, John. Band is back together. Got twelve songs written. So this, mm-hmm. uh, yep, so, yep, me, 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 yep. It's exciting times. So band's back together. Now, lastly, 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 I'm going to put that little clip up of last week's in slow motion from John Ellis. Um, and yeah, Ennis, I think it was John. Did Ennis. you watch the league last weekend? Oh, the Warriors, John. <laughs> I didn't. I was like, whoa. Well, to be I honest, for the Warriors, 
it was a bit of an unlucky game. They got smashed in the end. But the first 30 minutes was a great game of league. And it was really on the kind of, it was it could, it could have gone either way. Mm. And then they just had a couple really unfortunate things happen. Like the kicker did a kicker hit another guy's legs and they got a try. Mm. And then once that happened. Drop the heads. Yeah. And it, it, was just a, it was just one of those unlucky games. So we're not going to have this week in Lance anymore. We're going to have uh, this week in the Warriors. So you guys can keep abreast of how our season Did you watch any of the league? Didn't watch any of the league. Did you watch any sport? I didn't really watch any sport over the weekend, no. I've got to admit, I don't really go to live sport much. But I'll, if the Crusaders play, I think tempted. I'll go. Yeah, I'm, I'm much the same. You know? I can mm. just to support it. Exactly. You know, because it is yeah, it's pretty cool. Okay, John, let's wrap it up. Cross country to go and watch. How far have they got to run? they got to run uh, 2K for Felicity and 3K for Tom. What's the lap? Well, the lap got changed, as we found out. Bevan, when I saw Bevan on Saturday morning, he'd had his crew out running exactly where we were going running, and there was some, uh, some saw works, the chalk? works going oh, on. Oh, yeah, that was a disaster. And so I had to go and email the teachers yesterday saying, we're going down there, and there's, uh, we've got to change the course. So it's a lapse of 1K, so we get to see them a couple of times go through. Interesting times. Now, Felicity's pretty talented. Felicity will smoke it. Thomas is going to be somewhere between second and fourth. Okay. So we'll see how he goes. 3K is a pretty hard race. He's pretty fit. He's pretty fit. Iron Russ. I'm in dope. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. So that's kind of cool, but it was it was good to get away. You know what I mean? Because like, we haven't had a break. Have you had a break? Um, we had a break just as it was all kicking off. Oh, you did too. You went up to um, Criteria, didn't you? So, like, we we didn't have a break. And normally, Joe and I take our three week holiday now. Mm-hmm. And we ideally, we were doing our holiday leading into us going to road. Um,. So it was only three days or four days, but there's just something about getting away. And one thing in Tikapo that I love about the unit is it has an open fire. Mm-hmm. I tell you what, I like like house warm a good good heat pump system. But an open fire. It's pretty good. Oh, John. Mm. Get a bit romantic in front of the open fire. Nice. Bong, chicka, bong, wow. Other than that, John. It's-